Well, hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Encouraging Others Through Christ podcast. This is a very special episode. So as you guys know, I have this spiritual awakening slash deconstruction journey community that I'm building. And for this community, I am offering all sorts of safe spaces to come and engage and ask any questions you want, have lots of training and teaching. We just did a Law of Attraction webinar this past weekend. You'll be getting a recording of that soon. Uh, Lots of Ask Me Anything sessions. Of course, you've already gotten plenty of those in the feed. But today is a very special, a very special Ask Me Anything. This one's only for Lori Hammond. And the reason why, actually, the thing is, is that Lori and I were just talking about this. She says, Cliff, I was just following some of the things that you've been putting out and oh my gosh this is amazing I have questions and I'm like well let's have you come on one of my sessions and we can record a conversation together for the EOTC podcast she goes I would love that and rather than have her join and ask me anything and share you know that access with everyone else I am really good friends with Lori She has a special space in my heart. We've been friends ever since, I think, did we meet for the first time on Clubhouse, Lori? We did. So we met on Clubhouse and we both had, well, she has a major investment in the world of hypnosis and hypnotherapy. And of course, I have a huge passion and interest in that. We connected over that and now we're connecting over this whole spiritual journey thing. And she's like, Cliff, what's going on in your life? It seems like you've had some shifts and stuff like that. I have questions. And I'm like, great, let's have this conversation. So, Lori, with that being said, how can I be of service? How can I be of support? What can I answer for you? Liz, thank you for this opportunity. I have been so looking forward to this. And I have to tell you, it was just you and me the other day. We spent the whole day together because you gave me a list of podcasts to listen to, to understand a little bit more about your spiritual journey. And I listened to them all day long. I even listened to some of them on times two speed and it was still all day long. (laughs) Um, And it was really cool. And I think um, for me, my very favorite one was a kind of an autobiographical journey of you talking about your spiritual journey, answering all these questions for me. Um, and I know you can post that in the notes, so I won't rehash a lot of that, but, but some questions came up for me as I was listening. And these are all just very, um, the gospel according to Lori Hammond. So hopefully they'll resonate with listeners as well. It's really interesting to me because your journey and my journey um, are parallel in a lot of ways. There's a lot of things that you and I have, like a lot of similar thought processes where um, you kind of stepped away from the church um, from what I heard in your biography for kind of similar reasons to me. Um, And then the way you've come full circle and where you are now is a little bit different than where I am now. So I'm curious and I want you to know right up front that I'm asking these questions from a place of love, from a place of tremendous respect for you. Um, I'm asking because I really want to know the answer and not to be antagonistic. (laughs) So I want to put that out there right at the start. Um, But one thing that really stood out to me in your biography as you as you were speaking in your story was that you had a really positive relationship with um, the idea of God and the idea of the church like up until at least probably second grade ish would you agree with that okay so okay I had an incredibly positive relationship with God 
all the way up until second grade. I really didn't consider, by second grade, I really hadn't had too much of a relationship or at least a conscious focus on quote unquote the church. So first and second grade, I'm attending Catholic school and I'm attending mass every Friday and that's in a church and they're teaching religious instruction in my class. And so I'm hearing that. And of course, I have an interest in my relationship with God. I mean, how can you not be a little kid and sit in an ornate, beautiful Catholic church, which this was a beautiful church. It was the Church of the Annunciation in Clifton, Ohio. So this beautiful church, and and it's so ceremonial, and it's so, um, you know, bigger than life kind of thing. So I'm like, I'm in awe of this, which is, of course, what the architecture is meant to do, is to put you in a state of awe. And so as a kid, I'm like, oh, well, this is what it means to have a relationship with God. Now, it it was right around second grade where, you know, that's when I lived in this one neighborhood and all of a sudden I'm now given opportunities to go to Sunday schools and vacation Bible school with all of these other kids in my neighborhood. And those were all very Protestant, evangelical, and mainly fundamentalist uh, Christian denominations. And so all of a sudden, you know, I'm going to school on, you know, during the week and on the weekends, I'm being told that the Catholic church is going to give rise to the antichrist. So I'm like, whoa. And so at this point, so at a very young age, I see that there's some disagreement, if you will. Now, what you may be referring to is in second grade in the Catholic school. I was just like any other kid in the school. I wasn't Catholic, but in second grade, everybody in class was then expected to do their first communion and then go to their first confession. And because I was not Catholic, um, I, I was not offered those opportunities. And, and of course, I was offered the opportunity to become Catholic if I wanted to. And I talked about in that earlier episode, it's in episode 000 of this podcast titled, Listen to This First, if you want to hear the backstory. But I was given an opportunity, and my mom's like, yeah, I don't know how I feel about you becoming Catholic. And that was enough for me to say, okay, if it comes to being accepted by my peers in the school and becoming Catholic, or be accepted by my mom, and and I chose my mom. And so I chose the Protestant faith over the Catholic faith, faith because my mom seemed uneasy about me choosing something that isn't what she believes. And I don't right. know, so it, that's, that is something that happened in second grade, but it wasn't like that was a break from the church or my relationship with the church. At that point, I only had a relationship with God. I was thankfully not yet indoctrinated by the institution at that point. I didn't actually begin to really get devoted to the institution of the church information about God and a moral code of conduct until I was 18 years old. When I was okay. eight, when I was 18 years old, that was the third time I was told that I was probably going to burn in hell because I'm not a Christian. And I believed it. And at that point in time, somebody says, listen, if you want to never have these this fear again, here's what you need to do. You need to go to church every time the doors open. You need to read your Bible every day and you need to do these things and avoid these things. 
And so it was over a it was over a period of time in my young adult life that I I didn't I didn't lose my relationship with God, but I certainly lost focus on my direct union with God and I began to see and and feel that my relationship with God was dependent upon my relationship with the institution of the church how how much I'm volunteering and the, doing the things that they tell tell me I should do how much I'm reading about God in the Bible and whether or not I'm following whatever moral code of conduct is is suggested by the church and yeah. it was in September 2011 that I broke up with all three of those things and reclaimed only my relationship with God through Jesus, of course. Okay. And this is where I'm intrigued because I was curious and I had reached out to you and I was curious if you still have a relationship with Jesus and what that looks like. And if you still believe in essentially the God of the Bible. And the reason I was wondering that is because I've been questioning in my own faith journey so much. This is really personal for me to share (laughs) publicly, but I'm happy to do it. Um, I, I essentially walked away from the church. So I went through a divorce 16, almost 17 years ago. And I had been taught essentially that when a person divorces, like they're done. <laughs> um, and and I kind of thought it, it almost felt a little bit, and I don't know if I've ever said this out loud, but it felt a little bit like it's my marriage or it's my relationship with God. And if I say no more marriage, then it's like saying no more relationship with God. And my marriage, I was married for 15 years and I was so miserable that I just, I thought I'm freaking done. If, if this is what God wants for me, then I don't want this God. And there had also been, I was super involved in the church, super involved in the children's ministry, friends with the children's pastor. And I was at a big church that would almost be considered a mega church by this part of the country standards. Um, And so when I walked away from the church, I, I slowly but surely walked away from everything. And it's interesting, Cliff, because when I decided to learn hypnosis, it was almost like those last vestiges, those last little strings that were holding on to religion were cut because I was taught that hypnosis was as the sin of the devil. That essentially, if you were into hypnosis, you were into witchcraft and you were going straight to hell. Yeah. And I, I, um, had some experiences with hypnosis. I went to see a couple of hypnotists and just had life changing experiences. And I thought this, like, I, I like this, this is good. And it doesn't feel like witchcraft to me. The more I have studied hypnosis, I now don't believe that at all. I don't think there's any contradiction. I think that hypnosis is the practical application of neuroscience principles. Um, But I didn't understand that at the time. And so I have, I personally, to me, walking away from the church also meant essentially walking away from God. And over the years, I have come full circle, and it has been through the aspect of of learning more about um, New Age, about law of attraction, about manifestation, that has brought me back to a place where I actually feel good about the idea of, of being in relationship with God, of being in relationship with Jesus. But I'm not totally there yet. And one of the things that stood out to me as I was listening to your story is that 
I know you understand a lot. You probably understand at least as much about hypnosis and NLP as I do. But one of the things I learned with hypnosis and NLP is that we have a critical faculty that forms about the age of seven. And before that critical faculty, it's all hypnosis, like it's all going in. And I see you having this essentially fairly positive um, view of, of God up until the age of seven as that critical faculty was being formed. And for me, my first seven years on this planet, um, when I look back, they were they were pure hell. Um, tons of hellfire and brimstone, like you're going to go to hell if blah, blah, blah. Um, physical beatings at home around the idea of church and then being spanked in school by the principal, like having my dress pulled to the side because we had to wear dresses and being spanked with this gigantic paddle. Um for cheating on a spelling test. And so these, I, the idea of God was a really negative thing for me, pre-critical faculty. And so that's something I just wanted to put out there and ask you, I guess my question would be how much of the fact that you had such a positive view pre-critical faculty. And I also thought it was interesting that your parents didn't pressure you into religion. For me, it was like our whole world revolved around religion. We weren't allowed to listen to secular music. We weren't allowed to watch secular TV. Um, everything was very uh, legalistic um, at first. And so I'm curious how much you think that pre-critical faculty period has come into play with, with your current relationship with God, if that makes sense. Yeah. So to answer that part of the question, and then I want to go back to the God of the Bible and Jesus relationship today kind of thing as well. So the first part is, I think it's a, it was a very good thing that for me and my journey that my mom and dad were not religious, uh, that really they never spoke of God at all as a as a kid or even matter of fact when i was 18 years old and that remember i told you that's when i went head first into the institution and reading the bible every day and stuff my mom and dad thought that me joining this nazarene church that i was actually joining a cult the first time my mom and dad ever sat down and talked to me about god was their concern that i had joined a cult because i was getting a little too overzealous about this thing uh, now, now, get, now, granted, I want you to think about this. From the time I'm a little kid all the way up until then, they'd always known that I'm going to every vacation Bible school I can go to, and I'm going to every Sunday school class I can go to with anybody I can go to because I have such an insatiable desire to learn anything and everything I can about God. But they were never concerned about having a conversation with me about God until I started to want to go to church every single time the doors were open and all I would ever speak about to, it was God to anybody. And I took my Bible everywhere I went because I felt that, that I had been taught and trained, this is what a good Christian does. So so I think it was great. And, and what really helped me is the fact that I didn't have anybody telling me what I should or shouldn't do in my relationship with God. Now, granted, I had the Catholic Church teaching religious education. They, they talked about menial sins and uh, what's the other one? The the one where you're going to go to hell. Uh, I forget the name of that one. There's menial sins and then there's the other sin. And the Catholics in my audience know what I'm talking about. But then, you know, I went to Baptist churches and they preached hellfire and brimstone and, and all this other stuff. But somehow, Lori, for me, 
I had this close connection and relationship with God that was not tied to what these people are teaching. And I had some level of intuition that said, the fact that these people all seemingly hate each other, they would never use those words, but they clearly are not expressing unconditional love for each other. And I'm talking about the Nazarenes with the Lutherans and the Lutherans and the Baptists and the Baptists and the Catholics and all this other stuff. It was very clear to me that these folks were not in touch with the life-transforming message of Jesus. And so I'm this little kid that's reading the life-transforming message of Jesus, and I'm finding life in these words and in my relationship with him. So in essence, that's, for me, how I feel like I was able to, you know, I, it's like there's, there is a God, and that was all I needed during the first seven years of my life to say, well, gosh, I would be interested in knowing more about this God and my relationship with said, well, at the time, him. <laughs> so... Does that answer that first question for you? That's really interesting. Um, I So I went to Faith Baptist school. My first, up until second grade, I was at Faith Baptist. So this is a totally different kind of uh, approach, I think. I know almost nothing about Catholicism, except when I think about it, I think of the beautiful cathedrals and the beautiful architecture and the um, just the, the I don't know if chanting is the right word. <laughs> Gregor- um, Gregorian the, the tr- chant. There you go. Like the traditions, it's, it seems very beautiful to me, but I did grow up learning that it was like Christians or Catholics. One of the, one of the other of them was going to hell. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so that's interesting. Let me, let me speak to you real quickly about where I am in my relationship with, I, I love this phrase, God of the Bible. And I just recently had this conversation with my friend, Brian Dixon. It was actually in the episode right before this in EOTC. So, um, he had one point says, Cliff, I'm really concerned about you doing this deconstruction. People like this use deconstruction. It's usually code for you're walking away from your beliefs. And I'm just afraid you're going to be searching for truth in all the wrong places, blah, 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 blah. You'll never find peace in life outside of the God of the Bible. And it's always interesting to me because you're looking at somebody who has studied the Bible from the time I was seven years old until even today. I study the Bible nonstop. I there's five there's a five year period of my life from the time I was seven until age fifty. There's only five years where I refused to open the Bible and read it, and that was from September 2011 until 2016. I said for five years I will not open this Bible because I can only hear anger and wrath when I open the pages, and it's not. That that's and so that by the way that is one god of the Bible, all right. But it's not the god of the Bible of what I was reading when I was seven years old. That was a different god of the Bible. And then the other thing that I've learned is that there's the Catholic god of the Bible. There's the there is the Baptist god of the Bible. There is the Nazarene god of the Bible. The Calvinist god of the Bible. There's the Jehovah's Witness god of the Bible. There's the Mormon god of the. There are so many gods of the Bible. Which one is this god of the Bible that I'm supposed to have the relationship with? And and in essence, the fun thing about this whole coming up in the Protestant faith that I did is they they speak of God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. But in essence, what I hear is there's God the Father, God the Son, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Bible. 
And I'm like, Jesus did not say, hey, I'm, I'm going to send you a helper and you'll be able to carry this book with you everywhere you go. That is not what he promised us. But what we got is a focus on this holy Bible instead of the Holy Spirit being our guide and being our intuition and being our connection and Christ within, the experiencing union with Christ. And so it's only through breaking free from all of my conditioning that I had from the age eight, from age 18 all the way up until September 2011 that I finally you know, just broke free from that, got out of that cycle and pattern of way of thinking about God and thinking about the Bible. And so today what I will say is, do I have a relationship with the God of the Bible? Well, one of them, <laughs> my, my, my version of the God of the Bible, I have a relationship with that God. All right. Yeah. So, and, and everybody who reads the Bible has a different view of what they're reading and how they're seeing it. And, you know, and it's like, no, you don't understand, Cliff. You sh- you need to listen to Josh McDowell. He'll tell you the, who the God of the Bible. No, that's Josh McDowell's God of the Bible. I want Cliff's God of the Bible. All right. And yes. so the other thing that I I came to is, you know, I believe the Bible is incredibly valuable. I I think it is an ancient text that contains documents that were written by people who were in relationship with God and many of whom were inspired to write much, not all, but much of what is contained within the Bible. Now, I don't, I don't claim to say I know exactly what was or what was not inspired, but I can certainly point out to some things in there that just are clearly out of line with, with what God would want or desire in any epoch of time. So, you know, for me, I just, I just can't line up with some of that stuff. So, I have a relationship with God today, and I I very much lean towards the God that is revealed through the Bible because that's the path that he drew me to him. If And, and again, I'm still using language like him because that's I'm conditioned to think that way. I do not think that God's a man, by the way. I don't think God is a physical being. I think God is pure source energy. God is pure consciousness. God is all that is. And there are no words in any language in human existence that could describe God. So, and low be it a single one book of the book for all humanity. So that's how, that's where I come to on that. Do I have a relationship with God? Yes, I absolutely have a relationship with God. Do I believe that that God is somewhere revealed in much of the holy scriptures that some call the Bible? Yes. I also am a firm believer that the Vedic scriptures of India have much inspired content that reveal the same God. I believe the the Bhagavad Gita, I, I don't know if that's considered a part of the Vedic scriptures, but the Bhagavad Gita as well. I've never read the Quran, but I would imagine that the Quran probably has some great revelation, revelations and inspired works from God there. I do know enough to know that every major religion has mystical branches of it. So there's mystical Christianity, mystical Judaism, mystical Hinduism. Well, Hinduism is pretty mystical anyway, but mystical Islam, which is called Sufism. Anyway, all of these mystical paths, I resonate more on the mystical side. I I resonate more on the gnosis side, the God within, the kingdom within side. 
So that's where I am. That I, I resonate with that. And so if I study all of this thing, all of this from Taoism, Hinduism, Buddhism, Sufism, uh, the, well, the mystical side of, yeah, well, the mystical, okay, so it is Sufism. But if I study all of the mystical traditions of everything, I see that God in the teachings of Jesus. And, and it's very clear that it's in there. And so for me, that, it, that just even resonates further in my relationship with Jesus. And not to mention the fact that because I've allowed myself to be open to things that I thought were dangerous and all those other stuff, I go into deep meditation experiences and I've literally sat in the presence of Jesus one-on-one with him having conversations. So, I yeah, I have a very real relationship with Jesus. But I also have a very huge amount of respect for other spiritual teachers as well and spiritual guides. Um, I, I've actually sat in a cave with Mary Magdalene before. And wow. I, I have uh, had encounters with um, other people who have had mystical experiences on earth and in my times of meditation i've felt their presence gather around me and i and i hear not with words but i hear with my spiritual ears guidance on how to experience the peace love and joy and to be a light in this world so that does that answer all of those questions for you it does and it's awesome for me to hear you talk about this both both now on the recordings that I listened to the other day and you and I first met like, well, when clubhouse was in its heyday. And I think that that's when you were doing a lot of, uh, a lot of light bulbs were coming on for you. I'm I'm sure a lot of light bulbs had already come on for you, but it seems like that was a really pivotal time in your life. And I just want to tell you how grateful I am because I trust you. The way you speak about the Bible really resonates with me. And what I, you know, what I remember from my, my past, it really, your story resonates with my story. And so seeing your relationship with God now and seeing how precious that is to you really opens me up to like, what if, like, what if that was a thing for me as well? Because there, it was really hard for me to let go of some of my just talking to God. Uh, I'm going to get emotional. <laughs> Maybe I'm not. Um, my, you know, just talking to God, I was always kind of talking to God. It's like that. It's like I was, my life was just a prayer. Um, and I specifically shut that off when I decided to walk away from religion. And the idea of having that back is really beautiful to me because I found that in um, some of the other spirituality that I have encountered since then. So my next question for you, and this might seem a little bit off base, but this is the next question in my list is you had mentioned that you don't necessarily believe in a hellfire and brimstone hell anymore. Can you tell me, and I'm not sure if I have that right, but I, I am curious just to hear what you think the afterlife is like when we're not here anymore, where are we? What do you, and what is your idea of hell? Oh, wow. So there are so many different layers of the answer that I would have for that question. So first of all, I think we are already in the here and after, uh, because I don't believe that time exists. I believe time as we are experiencing it here in this physical world is an illusion for us to have an experience in physical form. 
But in essence, I believe that you and I are non-physical energy consciousness of God having this human experience, and God is outside of time, and we are that essence energy, aka we are God, we are of God, and that part of us is outside of time. So whenever I die from this physical earth, that's already happened from my higher essence being. I and and in fact that had already happened before I before my consciousness ever came into this physical being. And so so there have you by the way, have you ever heard of Seth? Mm-hmm. And Seth speaks. Have. have you ever heard of the book Seth Speaks? I haven't. I'm gonna write that down though. Okay. No worries. So by the way, this is not a recommended reading for everyone. And if you are really weirded out by new age, super highly metaphysical things and things that are channeled works channeled meaning that the this high dimensional energy spirit being universal consciousness being channeled by a human and then dictating books if that weirds you out why do you read the bible but anyway i'm sorry if that weirds you out I'm sorry. I had to throw it in. I didn't have to throw it in, but I did throw it in. It's okay. That was a little ego of Cliff Ravenscraft being, you know, facetious. But if that weirds you out that anybody other than the authors of the Bible would do that, just know that that's what Seth Speaks is. So Seth Speaks is this book that was channeled by Jane Roberts. And Seth says that in essence, and, and not only Seth, but also, have you heard of Bashar, channeled by Daryl Anka? I don't believe so. So I don't think there's, I don't know of any books by Bashar, but I, you can just do a YouTube search for Bashar, B-A-S-H-A-R. He has, by the way, he, he does not resonate with a lot of people because Bashar, as this galactic alien collective consciousness um, has a little bit of a personality that is off-putting to some people, which is fun to see some people get triggered by. It, it's hilarious. But you know who Abraham Hicks is, right? Yes. Okay. So Seth and Bashar are the equivalent of Abraham Hicks channeled by Esther Hicks. So just so you get an idea. And what they will tell you is that they are all collective consciousness. They are all infinite intelligence. But they all are, you know, they they claim to have this unique vibration and, and speak to different people through different ways. In essence, if you listen closely enough and you listen to enough of them like I do, they will tell you that we're all one anyway. So really what you're hearing is yourself at some point in another dimension speaking to yourself in this dimension. That's really what's happening. Now, by the way, I am not suggesting all of that is true. I'm just telling you what I've studied, what I've researched, what I've learned. And I will say that while I'm not going to claim it as truth, it does resonate with me at a very deep level. So I share all of that to say this. What do I think about the afterlife? I think there is no such thing as the afterlife. There is only ever in all everything, there's only ever the present moment. There's never been a time that has ever existed than this present moment. And anything that we perceive to be the past, 
or even past lives or any of those things, those are also happening right now in the present moment. It's just that our infinite consciousness is existing in all of those present moments or all those variations of the present moment simultaneously because all that exists is God, all that is. Wow. <laughs> that's going to take me even to wrap my head around, but that's that's good stuff. So no hellfire and brimstone after when we die. Well, it depends on how you want to focus your consciousness. So if you believe in a hellfire brimstone, Yes, it, it is, it's a reality that you can certainly experience. Matter of fact, if God were to desire to experience the idea of a hellfire experience, God would probably come into incarnate form in human form and would imagine such an experience and that imagination in the, in the, in the etheric, the astral realm would get attracted into a physical equivalent of that. So there, there are certainly many accounts of people with near-death experiences who talk about the fact that there are different astral realms and different astral planes. And, and there are many accounts of past life regression, as given that you're into hypnosis. Have you heard of Dolores Cannon? I have. So Dolores Cannon has done lots of past life regression therapy with countless people and they talk about the fact that you know you go here and you come here and you have these experiences and and that the soul is gradually evolving and growing over time and if if you don't you know if if you haven't learned what you need to learn you've got to go back and do it over and over again and if you think about are you familiar with Dr. David R Hawkins and his um map of consciousness Yes. So he talks about anything that he that uh, calibrates at 200 or below on the level of consciousness. That is hell. So we're talking mm-hmm. about fear, guilt, shame, apathy, desire, anger. Though those and pri- those are all an experience of hell. So at some level, if we, as our consciousness, our divine spiritual being, because we're vibrational beings in a physical body. Technically, we're not in a physical body. The, the physical body is inside of our consciousness, and this gets into a paradox, but we're not going to go there. But anyway, pretending that this is a physical body that's not inside of our consciousness, our consciousness is inside of this physical body. And inside this physical body, our consciousness is so focused and identified that this is who I am. I am this body. I'm this mind. I'm this experience of life. That is, quote unquote, missing the mark. That is, quote-unquote, um, the Hindus would call it ignorance. And so what happens is you have been deceived to think that you are not 100% in union with God. We all are all, there's nobody on this planet that is outside of source because source is all that exists. God is omnipresent. He's everywhere, in everything, in everyone. So how can any of us ever truly be separated from God if God is all that truly exists? So if that's the case, then 
what is this whole experience of hell other than us having a belief that we are cut off and separated from God, that we are we are these mere limited beings, that we are in lack, that we're unsafe, that, that this world is dangerous, and all of these things. And so we get stuck in fear and guilt and shame. And the question is, how long will we perpetuate our belief that we are not one with God? And you can continue to go through this. And of course, then you've got um, the Hindu and the Eastern philosophy of karma, you know, and this idea and and really karma, the the way that I understand it, uh, I think Sadhguru is a really great source on explaining it at a very easy level. He wrote a book called Karma by Sadhguru. And in karma, he talks about the fact that it's just memory. It's it's just all the stored beliefs. It's all of these things that we've been taught about who we are and what we believe, and it's just storing them in our memory and just replaying it over and over and over again. And really, if we would just drop all of our beliefs about who we are as a, as a limited physical being, and we would reconnect to our true identity as one with our higher self or one with God, then we would drop karma and we would be enlightened. We would enter the kingdom of heaven. And by the way, that ability is inside of us. So Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and everything will be given to you. Don't worry about anything. I tell you the truth. If you would just hate your life and give up your life, and basically he's saying, if you would just give up what you believe, all of that memory and stored, all of this stuff that you get, Jesus, Keep holding on to. If you just empty it all out and let it go, you'd be one with me. And that's really what Jesus was all about. He was teaching people how to get free from the body-identified limited consciousness to this physical plane. And so, in essence, the longer we hold on to that, we can experience in this physical world something that we would in the physical world call hell. However, this whole physical experience is an illusion or it is it is the it is a drama made up in the mind of God. So at its source, this world does not actually affect our higher self. So I I could sit here and and have massive pain in my physical body and all this other stuff and blah, 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 blah. And if I, once I die, or I would say once I transition back to non-physical or once I uh, lift my consciousness out of this physical form or once I dissolve my physical form out of my consciousness, however you want to see it, then I would recognize, huh, that was an interesting dream. So in a way, the way that I see this is, Lori, have you ever, in the middle of the night, had such a vivid dream that you were experiencing something super scary or super excruciatingly painful and woke up from it? Yes. Okay. So when you were in the dream, you were experiencing hell. Now, the idea is that if you wanted to stay in that dream and convince yourself that that dream is your reality then you can continue to stay in that dream. But you chose, you, Lori, chose to wake from that dream and recognize it was just a dream and that that hell had no bearing. That pain, that fear had no bearing on who you are in this realm. Mm -hmm. 
And so what I'm saying is that I don't believe that anything that we could ever experience in this realm is truly anything more than a dream of my higher level of consciousness. That makes sense. And I have the ability to wake up from the dream. And I do it quite often when I go to sleep at night and also when I sit and meditate. Okay. And you do it over and over and over again. I haven't haven't gone very many nights in my life without sleep. And I am pulling up my insight timer. I am, today I did my 530th consecutive day of meditation. Started listening to Abraham Hicks, um, one of, one of their books, uh, after listening to your podcast, I've been familiar with Abraham Hicks, but have been kind of, there's just been kind of a weird taste in my mouth about the idea and listening to you talk about it. I got super intrigued. And so I think it's the law of attraction that I've been listening to, which is a recording of Esther Hicks channeling Abraham. And it's just intriguing. I've been listening to it on my morning walks and I'm a little over halfway through it. And it's just incredibly enlightening my heart says yes to everything that i'm hearing it's just a beautiful beautiful book so thank you for for recommending that to me it's it's weird in the best possible way (laughs) it was so weird to me when i first heard it when i first heard of abraham hicks i'm like what is this and and somebody i saw some social media post with an abraham it's like oh this abraham hicks is a great teacher and then i learned what abraham is like oh stay away from that danger and then and it kept coming up from different angles and all this other stuff. And then eventually I would allow myself to read it uh, much in the same way as you. It's like, oh, there's a little bit of a weirdness about this, but man, this is resonating. And then there was, there were, there are parts. I, my, some of my favorite stuff I like when I, cause I got triggered by this every now and then. Have you come across anything where she talks about where she encourages selfishness? Yes, just I just yesterday heard something there. Yeah, and so that I actually loved it. I, I love that you loved it. For me, it was a very difficult thing to hear the encouragement of selfishness. Which uh, there's a if anybody's triggered by that, feel free to reach out and ask questions. Why, Cliff, are you so excited about being selfish? And I'd be delighted to tell you sometime. But anyway. Um, so I had that same feeling, but over time I started listening. It's like, okay, wait a second. I've, I was listening to Abraham Hicks for at least 15 minutes a day, every day, seven days a week. And I did that for several months and not one time did I ever hear Abraham Hicks say anything that didn't resonate as 100% true with my soul and didn't actually make me feel great about my life. And did and if I were to follow through and live my life according to those teachings, it is absolutely clear that I would have unconditional love for myself and therefore give unconditional love to everyone in my life. And I can't think of anything more in alignment with the teachings of Jesus than that. And then it's really fun. I, matter of fact, I've listened to probably more than a thousand hours of Abraham Hicks since then. And I will tell you that some of my favorite teachings is when she's, when she's asked questions about Jesus. And she's asked about Jesus quite a lot. So it, it is fascinating. Hey, I'm going to look that up. Awesome. I have just one more question for you, and it's a two-part question. It might seem a little bit uh, left field, but do you consider yourself an extrovert? 
Uh, no. As a matter of fact, I'm absolutely an introvert. So, okay. but by the definition, let me give you the definition that I go by so that you can understand. So for me, I used to think that extrovert was somebody who could get into a crowd and and lift the room and be the, you know, the the energy of the party. I am that, by the way. I am definitely, you, you put me in a room, and if it's the right environment with the right receptive people, I will, I will, I will captivate the entire room. But an introvert, by my definition, is an introvert is somebody that when they are in a crowd of people and they are putting out energy into that crowd, that act depletes them of their energy and they feel exhausted afterwards and they need to go and be by themselves to recharge and rejuvenate. That is me. I am absolutely an introvert. Whereas my my friend Michael Stelzner, he is an extrovert. Now he's a guy, he could be, but you put him in a crowd with 60 people and he's networking and talking for six hours, he won't be able to sleep that night. I mean, he could literally go run a marathon after it because he's so ju- he's so juiced. That's an extrovert in my mind. But both okay. both an introvert and an extrovert could be a total life of the party type of person. But also, an extrovert and an introvert both could be the total you know Debbie Downers of a party too as well. Right. Okay. Everything you said really resonates me and um, with me. And that's my understanding of extrovert and introvert. And so as I was listening to you speak, I was assuming you were an inter- an extrovert because you talk a lot about um, masterminds, about um, like small groups, about having, having connection with people and kind of talking this stuff over with people. So you're my understanding is that you're not in a church anymore, but it's almost like you're having these little mini services with different people about churchy stuff. Will you let, is that accurate? I would definitely not use the word churchy stuff in any vocabulary <laughs> associated to anything that I do. But metaphorically, I can understand and I accept your, your assumption. Um, spiritual, yeah, I'll take that. But uh, churchy stuff, definitely not. Uh, <laughs> and, and by the way, that's just some neuro association. Cliff in church, just yes. yeah, there's, it just doesn't. There's there's still some some strings to cut loose on that. But um, definitely not an extrovert. But what I do love is, and what I feel like I'm on this planet to do is EOTC, encourage others through Christ. And it's very hard to encourage others without others being around. And so it's very hard to live my purpose that I chose for myself in this physical incarnation without actually putting myself in a position where I could be surrounded by others. Now, here's the interesting thing. And I used to believe and and have a little bit of shame and guilt associated with this. Some people claimed that Cliff Ravenscraft was narcissist and all this other stuff. I don't care anymore because I'm just not Cliff Ravenscraft. And so you can say whatever you want about him. It doesn't matter. That's not who I am. He's, he's an involving persona and I, and I, you know, it's a mask that I mold and change a little bit here and there as I see fit to, to interact with this physical world. But Here's what I will say is that if you put me in a room and and there are a hundred people in the room and there's 10 people on a stage and people are going to ask people on the stage anything, 
would I enjoy that? Heck no. Because I want to capture the attention of everybody in the room. I I want to be the one who is giving out the energy. I know that sounds selfish. I don't care. It's what I'm here to do. I'm here to let my light shine. And I'm looking environments for me to live inside of my zone of genius. And so I create environments where I have that. Ironically, though, that's not what I do in a mastermind group. In a mastermind group, I very intentionally, I very intentionally hold myself back from being the source of inspiration or information and stuff like that because in those scenarios, I am very much looking to help people recognize the answers within themselves and also to help other people have the opportunity to give to others within the group. And oftentimes I facilitate mastermind groups where I seem to have a a greater amount of experience overall with the affinity group that I'm putting together, such as business owners and things like that. And so I recognized early on, it's like, gosh, if somebody's asking this question, I've got the answer. Well, there might be three other people in the group that have that answer. I didn't need to be the one to have the joy of giving it. Does that make sense? And so I've learned to really just sit back and what I do is in a mastermind group, I allow everyone else to have their say first. And and if I don't even get time by the end of the meeting, I'll just reach out to the person in the hot seat and give them my additional feedback that I didn't get a chance to give. Or I'll just wait until everyone else is finished. And then if there's seven minutes left or 13 minutes left, I'll give some of my feedback or things of that nature. But when it comes to live streams, when it comes to coaching calls and all that, I love this. One-on-one is is the thing. And Clubhouse really helped me understand how much I love just hosting Ask Me Anythings. Just it's like, let me just fire up an environment. People can come in, ask me anything, and let's go with this. It's so much fun. I love that. So the end of my question is, how would you advise an introvert who I very much resonate with everything you're saying. I love the idea of being on a stage. I love the idea of facilitating. Um, But I don't like my, I love the idea of connecting with people in the way that you're connecting with people to talk about spiritual things. And I'm not really sure how to facilitate that for myself. So how would you recommend a person facilitates that in their own life? Well, I would find what resonates with you. So obviously I would, you've, you've just discovered that I've come out of the closet and I'm fully telling the world how crazy Cliff's belief system is today compared to what it used to be. I am the fullest expression of who I am. I will not hold back anything that I believe in any Q&A anymore. I, I just refuse to do it. I don't care what anybody thinks about me. I don't care how it will impact any aspect of my life. This is what I'm going to be in the world. But what I would encourage you to do is look at some of the things that I'm doing because I am an introvert. And you can see that um, you, you probably saw I used to host Ask Me Anything rooms and I would just open it up and I would just sit there and wait for people to come in and say, how can I support and encourage you? It's like, oh, I don't need anything. It's like, oh, great. If you don't mind, we're just going to sit in silence until somebody comes in because I'm just here to answer questions. I'm not here to monologue or whatever. I just want to answer a question. I want to be of support and encouragement. So you could see how I used to do it on Clubhouse. If you want, you could hang out today at 3.30 p.m. I'm hosting a Another live Ask Me Anything, I've I've actually sent an email to everybody on my mailing list that says here, you can register here to come to part of this webinar side of things, but I'm also going to be streaming it live on YouTube, LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter 
all simultaneously. And I, and I, by the way, I have no idea what's going to happen during that call today. But I just said to people, ask me anything. It could be personally, professionally, or spiritually. And the other thing that I did is I said, hey, does this, if this law of attraction, if this spiritual awakening, if this deconstructing from your faith upbringing, if all of this stuff is, or any of it's resonating with you, I'm starting a spiritual awakening community. And if you want, just go over to awakening.cliffravenscraft.com, sign up, and I'll email you anytime I have a space that you can come and engage with me in this community in. So those are the things that I'm doing. It's life-giving to me. And I would, I, what I would encourage you to do, Lori, is to dabble with some of these things yourself and just put okay. it out there. And then check your energy afterwards. Also, if I can just share with you one of my greatest struggles that I had at the beginning stages of this, it was, I was still very attached to my ego at that time. I still jump into it every now and then. I, I, I don't know if you heard my ego pop in with that joke about whatever earlier. I can't even remember what the joke was at this point, but it was, de- oh, it was the channeling. If you have a problem with channeling, uh, that, no, come on. That was funny. That was good. Yes. That, that, yes. Was, that was so well-deserved, my ego says. <laughs> so, but I was so attached to my ego when I first started all of this stuff on Clubhouse Number one, I was afraid to host spiritual related conversations on Clubhouse because I was, at the time, I was afraid that if I were to speak to people about Hinduism, Buddhism, and other philosophies and sitting in medita- meditation and having a, an experience not in this physical realm, but some place that is impossible to describe where I'm literally sitting in the presence of Jesus having a conversation. These are things it's like I it's like I don't know. And I played around with saying things like that and I saw some clients kind of get weirded out and leave. And I'm like, oh so I would host these spaces and I would actually just keep them like, let's talk about your dreams, how to turn how to transfer dreams into reality. What do you want to create in this world? And so I kept it all on the practical, non-spiritual side. But even then my ego still had a big problem. And that is when I would host a room. I'm like, wow, what are people thinking of me given the fact that I've hosted this room and there's nobody here or there's three people here and that I'm asking people to come up and ask me questions and nobody's interacting right now. And that, my ego had a lot to break up with about other people's opinions because that really weighed on me. And I'm like, oh, I can't keep doing this. I mean, people are going to find out I'm a fraud and nobody cares about me and nobody has any, there's, there's no value that I have to offer the world. But if I can, can I tell you a story? My very yes. first ever clubhouse room, I literally felt God and, and, and whether this, you know, people accept this or not, I really felt God saying, Cliff, Go start your first ever clubhouse room and just title it, How May I Serve You? Question mark. And I'm like, seriously? That sounds sounds like, I don't know. And so I did. I launched it. And I I go into the room and nobody's there for 5, 10, 15 minutes. I, I have no idea. It was just a very long period of time. Then finally, one person comes in. And it's a woman that I knew from a conference that I used to attend every year. And she knew me very well. And she's like, hey, Cliff. And then so I said, hey, do you want to come up and ask me anything? Is there any way I can serve you? And so she comes up 
And she says, Cliff, I want to ask you a question. I am, I'm really struggling because I feel like I should have a better relationship with my dad than what he deserves. And he's on his deathbed. He's got a hose down his throat. He can't speak. Um, Technically speaking, he probably should have died by doctor's standards about six months ago. And now I just feel obligated to go see him all the time and spend time in his presence. And quite frankly, I hate it. And I feel guilty and I feel ashamed and all this other stuff. And I'm like, wow. And and I'm like, God, what? And by the way, by this time, one other person is down in the clubhouse room listening to this. It's like, oh, what's Cliff going to say now? And I'm like, oh, my gosh, what am I going to say? And then I just so I just started asking questions. And quite frankly, I felt God kind of giving me the words to speak as I was speaking them. And um, then I, I, I began to get some backstory about the whole situation. And she really begins to share and pour out her heart. And then I very clearly had an idea. I said, number one, let me ask you, is it possible that your dad is holding on because he wants to reconcile his relationship with you before he lets go of his physical body? Who am I to even suggest that, first and foremost? But those words were prompted, and I couldn't not say them. And she goes, that she goes, Cliff, you might be on to something. And then I said, you know, and, and, and again, I'm like, I, I'm not as, maybe I saw this on television somewhere and subconsciously it was, it pulled out, but I felt God saying, have you ever thought about asking your, like, can your dad respond in with like, you know, moving his finger, like tap once for yes, tap two for no. And have you ever thought about going in and potentially asking your dad to communicate with you with yes or no answers? Is that a possibility? And she goes, well, maybe, yeah, Okay. And so then I told her about my biological dad who had passed away in 2015 and the last time that I saw him, it was a very tumultuous relationship and I walked out on him after he was being rude to a hospital staff and I said, if this is the way you're going to be, I don't want nothing to do with you, I'm leaving. Those are the last words I spoke to my dad before he died that night. Um so I had I shared with her my relationship, and then I told her about a very metaphysical experience that I had with my dad when he came to me on my birthday in January of 2021. And I began sharing, I mean, I was pouring out this entire story, and it is a very emotional story. And then I said, Does that does this story help you in any way? And she unmuted, she was bawling in tears. And she says, I can't, Cliff, I got to go, and left. And by this time, there's four or five people listening to the whole thing. By the way, Lori, this is my very first ever Ask Me Anything on Clubhouse. And at that moment, I'm my ego jumps in. Oh, my gosh, what a failure. What was I doing? Who am I to... Th- that was ridiculous. That was terrible. And I'm just... I'm like, what? And I'm like speechless. And I, and I, these people are still in the room. What's Cliff going to do now? And I'm like, guys, I don't even know what to say. I, you know, maybe this was a mistake. And then I ended the room. That was it. Three days later, I get a Facebook message from this person. She goes, Cliff, oh my gosh, I can't begin to tell you how my life has transformed. Number one, You have to keep doing what you're doing. God spoke directly to me through you. 
I want you to know that I went to my dad in the hospital. I did exactly what you suggested, and we are reconciled. And it would have never happened had you not hosted that room. I hope you keep doing more things like that. Wow. But I had to overcome sitting there for what seemed like an unbelievable amount of time before the first person would even come in. And then having that as my first experience, not even knowing until three days later if I was totally off base. I mean, seriously. And then even then, I mean, even today, I mean, so many times, Lori, I get excited. I get this impromptu stuff where God's like, Cliff, today go do this. And I'm like, that's great. You hear the voice. That's great, God. But it would have been nice if you would have suggested that maybe I schedule it for a week or two in advance and let people know so that I have some credibility, you know, so that people can see some social proof. This whole last minute thing, why don't you do that this afternoon kind of thing? You know, this. he's like, will you just get over your ego? I've got some people. I've been talking with them. They're going to come by. And I want you to chat. That wow. and, and that's how I go about it, Lori. And I've seen you in those rooms. I remember when, you know, when Clubhouse was a thing and I I was pretty big into Clubhouse and had some fun experiences there. And I remember seeing you on there. Almost every time I would get on, you would have a room and I would go in and look and I would think, man, Cliff is so brave. He He's doing all these great things and, and all these good things are happening for him. I wish I was as cool as Cliff Ravenscraft. And so to hear it now in hindsight, realizing that you were struggling just as much as, that's actually really reaffirming for me. So I appreciate you sharing that story. That, that's why I needed to share it with you. I was, matter of fact, if I, quite frankly, from this perspective, I was told to share that with you in wow. relation to your question because you need to hear it. My ego... Mm-hmm. It has pride associated to it. You know, that that ego wants to be seen as an authority figure. That ego wants to be seen as a credible source that has this. That ego likes those numbers like 16,000 followers here and blah, blah, blah. That ego doesn't like to launch a room and see three people showing up. Yeah. But, you know, I, I again, it, the question is, is am I in this for my ego or I, am I in this for my divine spiritual purpose? And that that's that's what me and, and my inner being and my connection to God, this is what God has been communicating. It's like, listen, I, I'd like you to come to, I would like you to detach your identity from your ego. It's okay to be in the world, but I'm calling you not to be of the world. It's okay to be in it, and to be in the world, you need an ego. You need a mask. You need a you need you need an avatar. You need a you need a physical body and stuff like that because most people don't believe in just hearing vibrational energy. Some do, but you're you're not here for those people right now. You're here for the people who only hear other avatars in the physical flesh bodies. So use your flesh body, develop an ego and a persona modify it a little bit cliff come on you know i'll work with you and and so that's what the whole spiritual journey process is beautiful i love that any other questions i don't think so so are you still doing clubhouse now and then well you know what i am back to it now because 
uh, I just did this on Saturday. It was an impromptu thing. It's like last minute. I'm like, I'm going to do this. So now here's what I'm doing. I am using StreamYard. So StreamYard has a webinar functionality. Today is the first day that I'm doing it this way. So here's my strategy. And this is behind the scenes for anybody who wants to know how I'm doing this. So webinar has a, or I'm sorry, StreamYard has a webinar functionality. So I can go in and do uh, uh, on-demand webinar via StreamYard and I set that up. And I make it to where people must register. So they have to put in their name and email address so that they can be notified of uh, when, you know, the hour before and the day before if it's in advance enough. So you'll get an email the day before, an hour before. And then the other brilliant thing about the webinar functionality is as soon as I end the live stream, StreamYard immediately emails everyone who was registered a link to watch the replay right in, like right away. That okay. is awesome. And of yeah. course, I can download the CSV file and put it in my mailing list if I want to, right? So I love all of that functionality. And then um, I also schedule that webinar to be broadcast on LinkedIn, Facebook page, Facebook profile, YouTube, and Twitter. And on Facebook, YouTube, and LinkedIn, it goes in and creates an event. So this morning I did this for today's webinar, or for today's Ask Me Anything. And so... um, if you go to, people are actually saying, I will be attending on each of those platforms. They've actually gone in and they've gotten notification, Cliff's going to be live today. But then I emailed everyone on my emailing list. This is the first time I've emailed my list that I'm going live. And it's all, and I even said, like, I don't even hold the fact that it's spiritual because I'll read to you the email. Uh, hold on one second. Uh, let's see here. Sent. And uh, it says... Uh, it, the email subject line, discover your path, ask me anything with the Mindset Answer Man. And it says, I'm thrilled to extend an invitation to you to a special live stream event. Elevate your vision. Ask me anything. Life, business, and here it is, and spirituality. Today, Monday, August 7th, starting at 3.30 p.m. Eastern Time, in this interactive Ask Me Anything session, I'll I'm opening the floor for your questions on anything that might be of support or encouragement to you, be it personal, professional, or spiritual. Whether you're seeking clarity on a business idea, guidance in personal development, or insights into your spiritual path, this is the time to ask. You can join me live with video or audio only to ask your questions directly, or you may post any number of questions in the chat box for me to answer. Are you interested? Click here to register. Those who register will receive an email with access to the instant replay, ensuring that you benefit from the content even if you're even if you miss the event. And don't worry. Are you seeing this email after the session has ended? Clicking the link and registering afterwards will still grant you instant access to the replay. I look forward to answering your questions and being a part of your journey. Sincerely, Cliff. And then I said, I'm always looking for, uh, P.S., I'm looking for individuals who are willing to join me with video or audio only uh, to ask questions live. Your participation adds dynamic energy to our conversation and could inspire others as well. If you're willing to join me via video or audio only, simply reply to this email and I'll let you, and I'll send you a, a special link to join. So now... This so I sent I did all that this morning. I scheduled all this out. So now I actually have from my email so far. Uh, let's see here. 
there's already 18 people from my email that are, are literally going to be on the live webinar part of it. But then there's, if I had to guess based upon my previous expense experiences, there'll be another 10, 15, maybe 20 people who are following on, on the social media channels. But everyone submitting a question on any of those will come into my stream yard and I put it on the screen like you sometimes see on the live streams. And at the same time, I will be simulcasting on Clubhouse so that if anybody wants to come in on Clubhouse, I can take their calls in on Clubhouse as well. Okay. That is really cool. Yeah. And so the other day I did this, just the live stream part. I didn't do the webinar part of it. But um, here's what I discovered. Um, What was I going to say? Give me one second because there was something valuable that I was going to share and I just lost it. It's going to come back. Here it comes. So um, the replay. What was I going to say, Lori? Do you know? You started with the other day. The other day I did this live stream. And yeah, it's gone. It if it was important, <laughs> I would I would bring it back. Okay. I'm I'm just gonna let it go. I'm not gonna have FOMO that I don't get to hear it. Awesome. Well, if I <laughs> if it comes up later, I'll let you know. Is there any okay. other questions for that should be included in this podcast? Any other comments? Anything you want to share about what you got going on in the world? I'm happy for you to yeah. self promote yourself and what you've oh. got going on. I, you know, I've just been really looking forward to this conversation because like I said, I trust you. Um, It's been really cool. I think just listening to your story has made me feel like you and I are even better friends than we are, which I feel like we're good friends to start with, but it was just, it's, it's just really cool. I'm grateful to you for putting yourself out into the world. I'm grateful to you for sharing your story, for not being afraid of what other people will think, because for me, it has really resonated and there's so much of your story that parallels my story. Your, your ending, which is the middle right now, but where you are now is different than where I am now. And it's just really impactful for me because I can feel my heart kind of softening um, to the idea of being in relationship with, with the God of Lori Hammond, <laughs> maybe not necessarily the God of the Bible. Um, and it's just, it's really beautiful to me to think that I can have that back. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you for what you're doing. I appreciate you. Uh, it is my sincere pleasure. And as far as I'm concerned, we are friends at the deepest level beyond either of our personal persona egos perception could ever imagine. So I I was absolutely thrilled when you reached out and expressed interest in having this conversation. And that's why I wanted to do, I'm literally doing a live Ask Me Anything at 3.30 today, but I wanted to give you this opportunity to, to just connect on a deeper level. And I appreciate you so much. And you're welcome to have more conversations as often as you desire. Thank you, Cliff. Guys, thank you so much for tuning in. I just want to say this real quick here at the end. Quick disclaimer. Anything I've ever said in this podcast episode, I do not claim it to be your truth. These things are simply the things that I read, that I study, that I experience. I could be misperceiving a whole lot of things. One of the things that I can certainly tell you is that for the first 47 years of my life, I was absolutely convinced I was right about the God of the Bible. And everything else that I thought I was right about. And today, I'm not so much concerned about being right about anything 
as much as I am about being the fullest expression of who I am today without the fear of what other people think and without any kind of worry or anxiety or doubt about God's ability to provide for me and and his desire to be in union with me and his desire for me to be one with him. That, for me, is what's most important. And I'm not tied to the he language. I'm not tied to the God of the Bible language. I'm not tied to anything that I've even said in this episode. It's just the current expression of who I am. And I encourage you to ask yourself two questions. Who am I and why am I here? Ask that those questions as often as you could possibly get yourself to ask them. And don't be surprised if the answer changes frequently. Until next time, I encourage you to take everything you do to the next level. Mindset. Answer man.